Hey, Coach Arlen here. What do Walt Disney, Andrew Carnegie, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, and FDR all have in common? They shared one secret that propelled them to achieve remarkable success. They each belonged to a mastermind group. If you've never experienced the power of a mastermind group, now is your opportunity. Join my business success mastermind group today. New cohorts are starting soon. To learn more, go to ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. The Courage to Lead, episode 234. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Danielle Levy. Danielle is a sought after coach and strategist. Danielle helps six and seven figure businesses. Time out. I'm going to go back because you said online businesses. Is nope. it only online or do you help? Nope. All businesses. Okay. All business. Okay. See, I guess I was just thinking ahead. I don't know. Okay. okay. Start over. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Danielle Levy. Danielle is a sought after coach and strategist. Danielle helps six and seven figure businesses owners expand with clarity and efficiency. Danielle is the problem solver that everyone needs in their back pocket in order to manage a successful business. She's worked at advertising and communication agencies in Boston, with Fortune 500 corporate companies and digital marketing agencies around the world. Over that time, she's gained invaluable insight and expertise into the inner workings of businesses. Danielle knows what makes a successful business tick and how to apply that secret sauce as a repeatable system. After her experience in the traditional business world, Danielle established the Boardroom League to give other entrepreneurs a little black book of trusted industry professionals to help them grow and scale their business. Danielle, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I've been looking forward to the conversation. So I saw some place that you referred to yourself as a little Swiss army knife. Yeah. It helps take the day-to-day tasks off the plate of visionaries. What type of day-to-day activities? Because I know visionaries are supposed to be focused on the overall business. What is it? They get too involved in the, the weeds? Is that what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I um, When I started thinking about my clients as the businesses themselves, not necessarily the person that was signing my paycheck, um, I found myself absorbing a lot of things that were happening in the business, um, whether it was um, related to team and management or hiring or transitioning or, you know, whatever it might be, um, financial management, resource management, um, you know, um, automations and, and tech, um, enhancements. So I, I really have just, um, really embraced my clients' businesses as my own, um, and, and jump into all those little parts. Nice. Very cool. All right. I want to talk about how you got started, how you got to where you are now and who you work with and all that good stuff. But before we get started, I've got some questions that I ask each one of my guests. These are questions made famous on the TV show inside the actor's studio where the host James Lipton asks these same questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So Danielle, if you're ready, 10 questions for you. Okay. Question number one, what is your favorite word? Sunshine. 
What is your least favorite word? Any word I can't spell easily. (laughs) Good enough. All right. What turns you on? Kind people. Nice. What turns you off? Mean people. What sound or noise do you love? My cat purring. What sound or noise do you hate? I'm actually very noise sensitive. Um, so anything loud or startling, um, I like I like everything in a very low volume. Okay. Um, number seven, what is your favorite curse word? I don't actually curse, though I'm incredibly sarcastic. And, and I love to throw it around. Okay. What is, your, what is your favorite sarcastic comeback to somebody? I, I don't have, I just go with it. Okay. Um, and, and the problem is, is that I am a bit introverted and I have a very dry personality, um, sense of humor. So people often don't know what to make of it. Um, but I love the banter that it's created in my, in my um, immediate family. Because nice. my husband and my children know it well. Absolutely. No, my, my wife's family, I mean, sarcasm is like their native language. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Very cool. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I would love to be an artist of some kind. Nice. Attempt cool. being what? the keyword there. Yeah. It would go well. Yeah. Everybody starts somewhere. Yeah. Um, what profession would you not like to do? I don't think I could work at a fast food restaurant. That's a job. That's oh not God. a profession, but specifically yeah. that's the one that I keep coming. I keep coming back to, especially as I have teenagers in the house and we keep talking about, you know, summer jobs and what should they be doing? And I just can't get my head around fast food restaurants. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome. Very cool. Yeah. Anything short of that would be concerning, I think. Okay. Uh, We're going to take a short break. Um, I want to come back then and talk about how you got your start, how you got to where you are now, who you work with and how you help them and some of the things you have going on. Okay. Perfect. All right. Listeners, we're going to be talking about all of that and more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Daniel Levy. Daniel, thanks again for taking time out of your busy day to talk to us. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm just thrilled to be here. Absolutely. No, it's good to have you. So I know reading through your your, your bio and everything on uh, on LinkedIn. You spent a lot of years as a project manager, so you've probably seen a lot of things. Growing up, did you know that you wanted to be like a project manager and an entrepreneur? Or did you have other plans? No. Well, I did not have other plans. 
Um, my dad was a dentist in a very successful but local practice, and he desperately wanted to leave his dental practice to his children. So I was I was right off the bat a disappointment there. Um, and then I was definitely a disappointment because I didn't go to law school. Um, but the ironic part was um, that when I landed my first job, so my dad was the dentist, you know, um, and so he would always have to talk to his patients. They couldn't always talk back. And I landed my first job at this very, very prestigious advertising agency. And he was not thrilled about it because I wasn't being a lawyer and I wasn't being a dentist. Um, but he would start to talk to his patients about the name of this company that I was working for. And they were like, oh my gosh, do you realize, oh, she got in there. She got, and I got in on a fluke. Like I'm not, you know, trying to, um, you know, to be too bold in what I'm saying here, but all of a sudden over the years, the story changed. Like my daughter works at this agency and all thanks to me. So, um, that, that's sort of how it all went down. Nice. Yeah. And so what, so you weren't actually drawn to marketing or is that something you, you wanted to do? No. Um, so I, I went to, um, Boston college, which here in, in Boston, I mean, most people know Doug Flutie and, um, mm-hmm. it was a well-known school and I, I double majored. And the most important thing to me after graduation was that I went and volunteered in the Dominican Republic. And so it was too much for me at that time to get my head around, what am I going to do for a job? But I did know that, um, my college roommate, this is like, everyone has like a ridiculous story about how they got into their thing. My college roommate had an internship with the same agency. And I said, well, I just know I need to go to the Dominican Republic. I'll apply for an internship for the summer or must've been for the fall when I got back. And I'll just start there to buy myself some time so that I can figure out what I want to do. And little did I know that that was the beginning of my um, career that I was just going to fall in love with. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And then you started your own agency, right? Um, I I worked in um, other people's agencies um, for maybe 15 or 20 years. And then um, I went to graduate school because that's what you do when you're really burnt out. You go get a grad degree as if it's going to help something. And I came out of graduate school knowing that I didn't want to go back where I was and started um, professional freelancing, qu- quickly figuring out that I couldn't do it on my own. So um, formerly, I was never an agency, um, okay. but I do want to acknowledge the fabulous community that really um, supported me and, and helped me get through um, very much now, but definitely those earlier years. And so what are you doing now? Who are you working with? Do you have a certain niche area that you you help or are you open to work with any business? Um, I work with six and seven figure businesses that have a proven um, revenue model and that are, that are stuck. Um, and, um, that's the only way that I can describe it. And sometimes the stuck is in marketing. Sometimes the, the stuck is in figuring out how, um, to replicate the secret sauce. Sometimes the stuck is how do we get the CEO out of the business so that the business continue can continue to scale. Um, I have worked both in the online space and in the offline space. I tend to work with more female entrepreneurs, um, but um, other than that, I love being in all different kinds of businesses across. I think I've worked nearly across every industry. Nice. Very yeah. cool. And so you mentioned a couple of things that you helped them with. You said it could be marketing. It could be that somebody's just in the way. Those mm-hmm. A lot of times entrepreneurs, business owners, they they try to do everything. They try to wear too many hats yep. rather than delegating things to people. And they kind of block that progress. Is that what you're seeing? 
I see a lot of that. And then I also see a lot of people that listen to a lot of the noise on the internet um, or, you know, wherever they get their information from about, they have to do this thing. They have to do this thing. Um, A lot of people have been, you know, really burned or they don't know how to do the thing. Um, And so I always, I work, I spend a lot of time putting together plans that say, you know, this is where we're trying to get to, but let's build in these like incremental milestones to sort of test out if this is the right next move. Nice. Yeah. Working with some of my clients, same thing. They, They want to be everything to everybody. They see a competitor that's doing something, they think they should do that too. They see something shiny, new on the horizon, they want to do that too. And I think it dilutes their effectiveness, right? They're they're spreading themselves way too thin. When you're working with clients, do you try to help them like focus in and and simplify to to focus on what their, their strength is and then capitalize on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's there's two things that I try to do. One is exactly what you've said, which is um, capitalize on their strengths. Um, that's where the most um, energy and efficiency and um, company magic is is really going to happen. But the other piece of that is whatever that is that's their strength is doing it in a flavor that really suits their personality and their style, right? Um, you want to... Um, I often talk about like the hub and spoke model, like let's get the hub down and then we can figure out the spokes around it and and go from there. So I think it's, it's going after both of those angles and getting really clear. Um, And also I find with a lot of the smaller businesses, um, there's a mindset shift that really has to happen with like, this is a passion project with a high salary versus like, Oh, I'm running a business here and I need to think about this as a business and a legacy. Yeah. 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 The legacy part, a lot of times businesses don't think that far ahead. You know, they're interested in what do I need to do right now? It's like if you have a plan, you can grow into that plan. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sure. Um, do you have any success stories you'd like to brag about? Anybody you've worked with? Um, I've had so many success story. And and I say that because success is so different for each one of my clients. I mean, I have the some clients that are, you know, showing up regularly. I, I worked with a major influencer that um major influencer, and she had never done a podcast interview. Um, and so we did a lot of coaching around that and getting her media kit together and just literally getting her to book the interviews, right? Like, to, to you or I who are very comfortable with podcasts, that's like not a major victory. In that context, it was a major, major victory. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had another client that the circumstance was the pandemic and she saw, um, and this was brilliant on her part, an opportunity to do like a double launch because of the way the pandemic um, shifted her industry, which was in the health and wellness space, um, there was an amazing opportunity. We did like a double launch and took her business from seven figures to eight figures. Now, wow. was that a victory for her business? Absolutely. Was it an amazing experience for me to lead that team? Absolutely. But never could we have predicted that circumstance. And right. so I really try to like think about the wins for my clients with them and based on and where they're at. Nice. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, I think the pandemic opened up a lot of opportunities for people. Um, I Certainly for me, I'm a digital nomad, right? So I'm traveling around. A lot of businesses open up to where they realize people can be productive in yeah. a virtual environment. And I think, you know, capitalizing on that is, is awesome. But yeah, very cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, some of my clients are, are struggling with 
attracting and hiring and retaining great employees. Have you had to deal with that with some of your clients? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's interesting that you use the word employees um, because I think for a lot of people, we just need to be thinking about them as, as team members. Um, certainly the government wants to know, you know, are they W-2s or are they, they contractors, right? Um, but I think that's part of the struggle is figuring out who you need to hire um, and then not necessarily going all in and making them an employee, um, you know, in the truest truest sense of the word employee. Um, so generally, um, it's getting really clear on what the position is, um, maybe starting with a project, maybe starting with, um, you know, some kind of part-time or maintenance type agreement and really growing that relationship when there's a fit. Um, because I, I think it can be so detrimental to a business. I mean, the amount of time and money that's spent in the hiring process to onboard somebody, to not have them work out, to then start back at the beginning. Um, and it takes a toll on the team too, right? Um, so, but yes, it is incredibly common and especially in this market, um, it's really, really hard um, sometimes to find those right fit people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hiring a, a contractor 1099 to test them out, try them out and see if they fit you know, do they have the skill set, but do they also, do they fit the culture? Because I think that's yeah. an important thing too. Um, yeah. I was reading something the other day where this person was saying that um, the the cultural fit is a lot more important than the skills, the talent that they have. Do you I agree would, with that? Is it a cultural thing? Completely. Um, I also would say, not only is it cultural fit, but I think it's, it's professional maturity within the business. Most skills you can mm-hmm. learn, right? Okay. It's knowing who to ask. It's knowing to communicate the thing that you're falling short on or where you need help to cut through the noise of the business and to really kind of feel confident, no matter whether you're entry level or senior level. Um, it's really just like owning your your place um, within the business and your function and then matching that with the culture. And then anything else can be taught. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we used to talk about the knowledge, skills, and attributes, right? Knowledge is book learning. Skills is the application of that book learning attitude or the attributes or the things you can't really teach. They either have that or they don't. Yep. Everything else is a, a learned skill. So yeah, if you can find somebody who really has that drive, fits that culture, you know, like you said, the maturity, you can teach them what they need. Yep, for sure. Very cool. Um, on one of your, uh, I think it was your speaker profile where you talk about different topics you like to talk about. Uh, you, one of the topics caught my attention. It says how your business is like your favorite restaurant. Yes. Talk yes. to me about that. Yeah. That? So, yeah. And and I would substitute hotel in for restaurant as well. Okay. Um, okay. But just, I think it gives a better visual. So you walk into the same, same concept though. Um, you walk into the, like your favorite hotel and they have an amazing lobby and they probably have like a little treat for you or a bottle of water and a beautiful flower display. And it's all the things like, oh my gosh, I'm here. Um, and it's, it's all the ways, you know, that's the, those are the pictures that are on their website and that's how they're, they're showing themselves. Right. Um, and that's the front of your business. So that's your marketing, your sales, your PR, um, your social media accounts. It's the way that you're presenting your business to the world. When you think about that same hotel, the operations is how they're making their money. So they have rooms to offer. They have banquet rooms. They have, you know, whatever you're going, the reason you're going to that hotel. 
Um, that is your core offer in your business. So, mm -hmm. and that's all of the bits and pieces of your value and what you're bringing to your customer. So everything from your free opt-in to, you know, your small product, your, your large product, your high ticket items, your Ascension offers, everything that is actually bringing you money. And it's the reason people are showing up for you. And then the back of the house, again, going back to the hotel, you know, you've got your accountants and your bookkeepers and um, the chef in the kitchen and the housekeeping staff and all of those things is the back of the house um, for the business. Um, so in our businesses, it's, it's the accountant, it's the lawyer, um, it's the team, it's all of those things that actually fuel the business to work. And so when I when I go into a business and I do an audit, I always break it down in terms of the front of the house, the house, and the back of the house. Nice. And a lot of the back of the house should be transparent, right? I mean, it, you shouldn't, uh, as a customer, I shouldn't see a lot of those things. I should see the results of a lot of those things. You I think you about? should see the, the results of a lot of those things. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that a great company will keep a lot behind the curtain because you want to keep the experience. And don't get me wrong, transparency and accountability are my core values. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, I think the customers should have the experience of it. I don't think they need to know about um, the nuts and bolts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Very cool. Good stuff. So we mentioned the boardroom league. Um, at the beginning and stuff. Love this idea. Talk to me about the boardroom league. How did that come about? Yeah. So I, I mentioned when I came out of graduate school, I knew that I, I knew that I was still burnt out and that I didn't um, want to go back kind of where I had been. And I, I took, I, I just, I needed a break. And for a milestone birthday, I went away on a purely social trip and ended up meeting some real important marketing players and some really big influencers. Um, and then just the way that things kind of worked out, um, that's how I landed my first couple of clients or more than a couple, actually more probably close to a dozen in the online space. And so I went from being this incredibly successful person in the Boston ad agency scene to realizing who these influencers were and not having a clue what I was doing um, because there was a whole other set of terminology and a whole other set of software and all of these things that I just needed to learn. And it wasn't that I couldn't learn them, but I, I just hadn't been exposed to them before. So my network were the folks that got me through that. Um, I just showed up every day with integrity, tried to have great customer service, tried to show up and ask the right questions. And then behind the scenes, I was asking my network, well, what about this? And what about this? And how do I do this? And all of these, like, and these are the people that got me through it. And I just... I wanted to bring that experience to every new business owner that's saying, I'm doing the thing that I love, but I don't know how the heck I'm going to do it. Or I know that I got my business this far. How am I going to get it to the next level? And so um, the, the boardroom league is very much like my little black book of trusted experts. Um, I do a lot of strategy. I know enough to get me in trouble with a lot of different areas of the business. But when we really need to get under the hood and look at certain areas of the business, that's where I bring in these experts. Um, and I think, you know, I think it can be like we mentioned earlier, like a, you don't want to make a bad hire. So this is an opportunity for people um, to work with someone that is that is proven um, and um, that know each other, that strategies can feed off of each other, um, and that people can, that clients can feel really supported um, by a by a group of 
of experts that are cheering for their businesses as, as much as they are themselves. Nice. So when you're working with a client and you bring these other folks in, are you the coordinator that coordinates all the their efforts or do they each work kind of individually? Um, it depends on the situation. Um, I always feel that my job is to make everyone else's job as easy as possible. Um, and so I, I am a bit protective of both the client and the boardroom league members um, because something it's, you know, sometimes I just need to, you know, check on something or um, figure out if we need a strategy for this thing or what they recommend. But I also, I don't want to suggest that I'm the expert in all of these areas. So when it's time to go, you know, wide and deep, um, you know, we do it together or um, we figure out a plan that makes sense. Nice. And so are you going into your client's site to work? Do you do things virtually? Everything that I do is virtual. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> um, and you have, you have clients all over the country, all over the world. Where are they? All over the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty neat. That is neat. I, I love the internet. I mean, you know, when I started working, I mean, TVs only had 13 channels and everything was in black and white. And now suddenly you're sitting in one country, helping somebody in another country and you're talking in real time. And it's like, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Um, and Very you know cool. what? I'm just going to steal the conversation from you just for a minute. Um, I, I think it's a very careful, as entrepreneurs, we need to be really careful about how we're spending our time. And I think, um, you know, we touched on the pandemic. Um, the pandemic was a, a little bit dangerous for me in, in that all of a sudden, um, a lot of the responsibilities that I had in my personal life weren't there anymore. And also that boundaries had just come down so significantly. Um, But what I would say is if you have any parents listening, um, this idea of a global business works really, really well for me um, because I'm able to attend to the different parts of my life in a really present kind of way. Um, So it's been very deliberate with me in different seasons of my life. Like this is a great this is a great time for me. For example, like I know the time difference with Australia, right? At different seasons in my life, that's worked really well. And at different seasons, that's not worked well at all. So um, just for people to be really mindful that there are incredible opportunities if you can do it right, um, working globally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. On the podcast, we talk about courage. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk about what it takes to be a courageous leader. We ask people where they got the courage to leave the nine to five job to create their own success. Uh, where do you find the courage to overcome the, the setbacks that bankruptcy, divorce, um, illnesses, death, the failures that we, we come across um, for you, where did you find your courage? Um, I would actually say, so my story is one um, that I came from a divorced household. Um, and then unfortunately the parent that I, was who was my guardian passed away. Um, and so at a very young age, I, I, I kind of was an orphan. Um, I, I lose that. I use that term loosely, but there was very much a sense of like, you're on your own now, um, and needing to figure things out. So, you know, I was just coming from a place of, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I know that if I keep moving, um, I'll, I'll get there and I'll figure things out. And it really came from a place of um, being really scared and um, in this new period in my life, right? 
Um, and what that ultimately taught me was because I just continued to hustle over, the, like no one ever said to me, it's okay to stop hustling. You have made it to this place that you want to be. And somewhere along the line, you know, like I had some really terrible employers. Um, I had some not so great um, personal relationships. Somewhere along the line, I, re oh, and I throw in a couple of kids in the mix, right? Like kids are fantastic, but they just add stress. Like you can't even sure. believe, right? Um, somewhere along the line, I was like, well, if I did that thing and I did that, like what could be harder, right? And so it, you know, my courage, it's, it's like I kept having like micro courage moments that eventually bred to this level of confidence that, um, that I can figure it out, I guess is, is the only way to explain it. Nice. Did you have any role models or teachers or, or anything like that, that kind of helped you get that courage? Um, I didn't have role models or teachers, but I do, I would love to tell this story if it's okay. Um, when I was in my first ad agency, um, there was a woman by the name of Jenny that she was actually in law school at the time. And I worked in a skyscraper and the ad agency was four or five floors high. So that meant you're always riding the elevators. And there was, I just remember seeing rows of cubicles and happened to be men in suits everywhere. There was always closed doors meeting. It was, it was like mad men basically is what it was. Um, and Jenny had a very, very important job. And I'll never forget how she took me in because she needed support in her role. Because at the time, there was a major um, acquisition that was happening at the agency. It was the agency's first international account. Um, she needed her and I, she needed me and I needed her basically at a, at a working level. Um, and I will never forget Jenny, every day she wore a white t-shirt, she pair, wore a faded pair of jeans and a pair of Keds sneakers. And I would see her very politely interrupt all of these meetings with these gentlemen um, that were drinking beers and um, having their very important meetings in their suits and bypass the elevator and we'd be running up and down the stairs of this skyscraper. And she showed me, you know, really how to have confidence in the thing that you were doing. And if you came prepared to a meeting in spite of Keds sneakers and a t-shirt, which I don't recommend as the standard for every right. situation, but you could hold your own. And, you know, these gentlemen knew when Jenny opened that door, they were there to listen to her. Um, and it was a very powerful presence for this blonde hair, blue eyed, sneaker wearing law student. And I will never, ever forget that. Show up prepared, do your job, know your stuff really well and command the respect in the room and at the table. Nice. That's good yeah. advice for anybody. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So do you have any employees that work for you right now? I have a team of contractors. Okay. I have very um, intentionally not brought on any employees because for me, it gives me the flexibility um, to work with people in a way as my business continues to evolve. Um, and it's interesting because I've had multiple... Uh, multiple team members change over. And I had one team member in particular, she's quit on me twice. And what we've actually figured out is that um, her seat on my team has just needed to change a little bit um, based on her skills or what's going on in her personal life. And so um, having um, 1099s has given me that flexibility in my business to move people around, um, to spend more, to spend less, um, and really be transparent and um, has really eased the pressure for me as a business owner. 
well, especially in anything creative, it's great to have that flexibility to bring yeah. in the new things as you need it, right? To always yeah. keep up. Exactly. Um, in, in your past projects, have you had employees that reported to you? Yes. 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 I've managed quite large teams of employees. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So the question about leadership, if I was to bump into any of these folks on the road and ask them about you, what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? Um, I am a leader that I am very um, aware of situations. I am very present and know when I need to lead and take control of a situation. I'm also very people first. I'm not afraid to roll up my sleeves. I am not afraid to sit on a meeting with someone if they just need to feel supported while they do the thing. Um, I am very aware of my strengths and weaknesses. And um, I really trust my team as experts in what they do. And I'm not afraid to ask the hard questions because I want to feel confident in the decisions. So, you know, I'm not turning a blind eye, um, but I, I know what, it, I know where I show up really well and um, I know how I want to be managed. Nice. Yeah. So what do you look for in a leader? Um, I look for people that are really aware of their own um, strengths and weaknesses and that are looking to partner with me. Um, I am, um, not only am I noise sensitive, um, but I am emotionally um, very sensitive as as well, um, just in terms of knowing that I always want to show up as my best. I always seek to please, that I want to excel in what I'm, I'm doing. Um, and yet going back to that confidence piece, um, I know who I am and I know where I've kicked some serious butt. Maybe that's my favorite, by the way, going back to your earlier question, Mm -hmm. that was not the word I was going to use. Maybe that's my favorite swear. Um, you know, I, I know how good I can, can be in my job if in the right situation. And so I always look for leaders, um, that recognize who as I, who I am as both a professional and as a human. Yeah. One of the types of courage we talk about is intellectual courage, the ability to to set aside the long held beliefs, set aside uh, the current knowledge you have to make room for brand new knowledge. Mm-hmm. That can be scary for some leaders because they think that they need to be the smartest person in the room. They're kind of afraid to say, I don't know. I'm not sure. When mm-hmm. the pandemic hit, there were a lot of bosses that were just out there trying to business as usual. I think the ones that really kind of re-engaged their employees and got their employees together was a person who said, Hey, I've never had to deal with this before. So I don't know what this is going to be like. I don't know where we're going but work with me, stick together and and we'll try to get there. You know what I mean? Have you had um, either bosses like that in the past or, or clients you work with that are that courageous to say, I really don't know. And I'm open to suggestions. Absolutely. And those are my favorite clients. And I think, um, you know, where I'd like to step in with those clients and say, let's frame it even further. You know, let's check back in 30 days or let's try this beta project and see how it goes Um, to keep the conversation um, continuous, because I think what you don't want to do is sort of follow into a pattern because you had a conversation once, even if it's not a right fit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So what's next for you? I mean, you've accomplished so much, you've done so much and, uh, you got great clients all over the, all over the world. What's next for you? Anything on the horizon? You know, I am really grateful to be in the, the personal and professional season that I'm in. 
Um, I have definitely identified those clients um, that I work really well with. Um, I also have a teenager that's about to go off to college. Um, And so for me, that combination is actually um, enjoying where I'm at and um, figuring out what's next. And I am not looking to rush. I have rushed and pressed hard in most, most of my life. And I'm looking to kind of just settle in and enjoy for a bit. Nice. Yeah. Knowing Great me, I'm not go. taking my foot off the gas pedal, but I am looking uh, to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Love that. Yeah. Very cool. This has been great. Thank you so much for taking time out um, of your busy schedule to talk to us. If people want to get in touch with you or follow you, how can they do that? Uh, what's, your, what's your website? Yeah. So my website is, um, you can find me at theboardroomleague.com or daniellecleavy.com. Um, but Instagram is probably the best way to find me. Danielle okay. underscore C underscore Levy. Okay. Got it. I will make sure all of those links are in the show notes for everybody so they can catch up with you and stuff. Are you active on LinkedIn too? Um, a little bit, a little oh, bit. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. I'll put that in there too. Daniel, thank you so much for uh, chatting so with much. us. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate cool. you having me. Thank you. Absolutely. No, it was a good time. All right, listeners, hope you guys were taking notes. A lot of good information here. Definitely check out the website. Check out the Boardroom League. And uh, yeah, very cool. Share this episode with your family, friends, colleagues. Subscribe so you get notified when new episodes are dropped. And uh, stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me. Otarlin Singh. So long for you.